Podcast. It's Monday, September the 19th. I'm Bruce Willie. Glad to have you along. Mm. Man, tough week to be a Browns fan. Tough week to be a Bengals fan. And, of course, tough week to be a Toledo fan, too. But, hey, you knew that was coming, right? Ohio State all over Toledo on Saturday night. 77-21. to Woohoo! I know that uh, some of my buddies are very, very happy with that result. I would rather see a more competitive opponent against Ohio State than Toledo. Um, I would love to see teams that are Power 5 have to play other Power 5 teams. I would love to see that. I don't know if it's doable. I know that it's probably, uh, I'm sure the coaches will say, can't do that, Bruce. Oh, man, we wouldn't get any rest, any rest, but we'd have games where we get beat. Yeah, that's life in a big city. we got a playoff, right? You don't have to be perfect to get into the playoff. You just got to win your league. Uh, I think the people deserve better than uh, that excuse for a football game on Saturday night. But, hey, again, I didn't watch it. I watched the key plays. That's one of the beautiful things about having YouTube TV is that you don't pay what you pay for DISH or DirecTV or any other cable service. You pay less and... And, I don't know, you may get this on your TV too, but I like it because it's the first time I've ever had it. You can click on a game and they'll give you catch up live through key plays. Or, if the game's over, you can sit down and watch all the key plays from the game. Now, the thing I would say to the YouTube TV person who determines which plays are quote-unquote key plays, just because the defense stops a guy for a two-yard loss, a five-yard loss, it's not a key play. Okay, like I watched the USC Fresno State game on Saturday night. Key plays. There were 50 key plays. 50. There are not 50 key plays in a football game. (laughs) There just are not. All right. So uh, I like the feature, but they could improve it as with all things. All right. Let's get into the podcast. Glad to have you along. Send me an email. We tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com. Review me on iTunes. I would love to hear that. Love the fact that we're getting uh, quite a few people listening to the podcast, and I'm trying to be more regular with the release of the podcast. So uh, appreciate you guys listening because that makes me motivated to do it, and we've got good content to talk about because, oh, man, the way the Browns lost and the way the Bengals lost, no shortage of conversation in and around that. Speaking of conversations, I'd like to have one with you If you'd be interested in joining a private shopping club that I'm a member of, no, you don't have to spend a ton of money. Maybe 60 bucks a month is what it costs. These are just things that aren't really that sexy of items. They are things that you buy for your family and you, personal care items, mouthwash, toothpaste, deodorant, things that you use around the house like cleaning supplies to wash your dishes, to wash your laundry, clean your countertops, vitamins, supplements, If you're into essential oils, they have those as well. It's a private company in Idaho. It's family-owned. They don't advertise at all. They do not put any of their products in conventional stores. Why do they do it that way? Well, because they're a pro-America company, believe in the foundational values of our nation. They don't like to be subjected to a lot of the nonsense that big corporations are in terms of the causes that those corporations are forced or at least pressured to give their money to. uh, This company likes to support pro-police causes, pro-life causes. You can imagine how divisive that is in this day and age, but that's their personal belief, and that's why they do what they do, how they do it. And so I'd like to introduce you to them. They, They require me to have your permission before I do so. So if you would like to make sure that every dollar that you spend does not go to support causes you don't support, then 
I would invite you to go to patriotswitch.com slash Bruce, patriotswitch.com slash Bruce, and fill in your information, and I will have that conversation with you. I will email you first, and then I may text you if you don't respond to my email, and then I may call you out of the blue at the most inopportune time. No, actually, I don't surprise people with out-of-the-blue phone calls, but we'll schedule a time and talk and chat and get you on board. The movement, Patriot Switch, patriotswitch.com slash Bruce. All right, before we get into the Buckeyes, and there's really not much to get into, whoo, what a bad day for the Big Ten. Wait a minute, Penn State won at Auburn, and Michigan smashed whoever it was that Michigan was playing. Oh, it was UConn. But the rest of your Big Ten, and particularly the Western Division, not good. Nebraska got pounded by Oklahoma. So much for coaching change there making any difference at all. Yes, I know it's a little bit early. Northwestern lost to Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois, a Division I AA team. Uh, They lost, Southern Illinois, the team that beat Northwestern, lost their opener this year to... I'm not kidding. Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word. That's a Christian school. And they lost to that team, Southern Illinois did, 64-29. to 64-29. to So Southern Illinois was able to score 29 points on Incarnate Word. They were able to score 31 and beat Northwestern. Youch. Okay. What else happened? Purdue got the lead late on Syracuse, then proceeded to rack up in the celebration, aftermath, whatever, of their go-ahead touchdown against Syracuse. At Syracuse, rack up 50, count them, 50 yards in penalties. 50. And so Syracuse got the ball, you know, in Purdue territory after the kickoff from the 10-yard line. And Syracuse threw the game-winning touchdown pass because Purdue was in man coverage at the end on a 25-yard touchdown pass with seven seconds to go. Man coverage. Apparently the Browns' secondary coach is calling coverages for Purdue late in the game. So uh, that's not good. Uh, We already know that Wisconsin lost to Washington State at home And we already know that Iowa lost to Iowa State and can't score. So, uh, wow, Western Division. What about the little boatman at Minnesota? Well, they are 3-0. They are 3-0 at Minnesota. So it looks like the little boatman might be the class. The little boatman, if you didn't know, is P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. So there you are. That's your Big Ten Western Division. Somebody's going to get an automatic berth into the Big Ten Championship game out of that division, even though Ohio State and Michigan Sorry, don't believe in you yet, Penn State. Ohio State and Michigan are clearly the best teams in the Big Ten right now. Uh, What about the new coach at Nebraska? Uh, There are some new names. Chris Kleiman, Kansas State. Uh, Lance Leopold is a name out there. Of course, Matt Campbell's name is still out there. But a new name, a new name. It is, you guessed it, Urban Meyer. Yes, Urban Meyer was in Lincoln, Nebraska on Saturday for the Fox Big Noon kickoff. Oklahoma against Nebraska, and the Nebraska fans were chanting, we want Urban. We want Urban. We want Urban. And I don't blame them. I'd want Urban, too. Oh, no, this is not the time where we're going to have a conversation about whether Urban Meyer is the guy you want to raise your young men to be fine, upstanding young men and talk about Zach Smith and talk about 
urban in a bar and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to do that, are we? We're not going to talk about things that really don't matter to college athletics, particularly big-time programs like Nebraska, that need football to be really, really, really good so that they can finance their other sports. We're not going to talk about that, are we? No, because we talk about real things here on the We Tackle Life podcast, and we are not going to talk about the value judgment that athletic administrators in college sometimes have to play in order to get the kind of coach you need to transform a, word of the day kids, moribund program like Nebraska. Urban Meyer would do it. Do I see it happening? No, I do not see it happening because I cannot for the life of me see Shelly Meyer being happy living in Lincoln, Nebraska. Never been to Lincoln, Nebraska. Here it's really nice. But I know Shelly Meyer likes it where it's sunny, and I don't think it's sunny and warm in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I think Urban, being in the Big Ten West, having to knock heads with Lincoln Riley and USC, because I presume USC will be in the Big Ten West, is not a reality that Urban wants to live. Urban wants to go in someplace that is underachieving, Nebraska unquestionably is, And he wants to be able to build it into something that he can win at a monster rate. That happened at Florida. That happened at Ohio State. I do not believe it can happen at Nebraska, although it is a place where he could run the kind of football he likes to run, which is that, you know, zone read quarterback as running back kind of a thing. But if you've caught USC playing under Lincoln Riley either of the past two weeks against Stanford or against Fresno State, You know that there is a new sheriff in town in the Big Ten West, and it is Tommy Trojan, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. USC can really score points. Caleb Williams, their quarterback, is really good. No surprise, Jordan Addison, their wide receiver, is really good. Funny thing about that, when you get the Bolitnikoff Award winner transferring into your school, he usually is pretty good, and Jordan Addison is. USC is not very good on defense, but they make enough big plays cause enough turnovers, and their offense scores enough points that they look really good to me. Now, do I think USC is going to go undefeated in the regular season? Mm, Can't say so because they play at Utah. But if they win at Utah, they might run the table until they get to the Pac-12 championship game, and they might beat Oregon there. Oregon's looking better after Oregon smoked BYU on the weekend. But USC, this is Lincoln Riley's first year. Like he's been able to put this together like quickly via the transfer portal. Wait until those kids out there at modern day and all those big LA schools get a load of Lincoln Riley's offense. He's not going to be recruiting. He's going to be selecting and he's going to build a monster, monster, monster program. And so Ohio state's not going anywhere. As long as Ryan day's here, Alabama's not going anywhere. As long as Nick Saban's there, Dabo and Clemson, eh, I'm not quite sure Dabo and Clemson are back. I'm still not a big believer in DJ Uyunglele. Clemson's probably not going to go undefeated. Georgia is definitely for real. Wow. Georgia is good. They dominated South Carolina. You say, well, South Carolina's not any good. Well, South Carolina's not as bad as Georgia made them look. Georgia is super fast. And fast works against everybody. When you make somebody in your own league in South Carolina, it's not like they're Nebraska. South Carolina's not that terrible. When you make a team look as bad as Georgia made South Carolina look on Saturday, yikes, they're good. So Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, and then my fourth team, I don't know who it is. I mean, honestly, I don't. 
Uh, could be um, USC, I suppose. But I think it's a little bit early for USC. So we'll keep our eyes on that situation, and we will um, continue to watch, continue to evaluate, continue to analyze, and continue to let you know what I see. What about Michigan? I thought Michigan looked pretty good on Saturday, but they're playing UConn. They should look good. They scored 50 points or more in each of their first three games. And now they play Maryland. Well, they play Maryland on the road. That should be an e- No, they play Maryland at home. That should be an easy win for Michigan, but it's not going to tell me anything because I don't think Maryland is very good. But I do think, I do think J.J. McCarthy, Michigan's quarterback, is pretty good. He throws a very nice ball. He's got some weapons. I just can't tell if Michigan's defense is legit or if Michigan's defense is legit because they're playing who Michigan is playing. I do know this. Michigan State is exactly what I thought they were, a pretender. When you go to Washington and you get pounded like Michigan State got pounded by former Indiana quarterback Michael Penix, you're not ready to play a team like Michigan with J.J. McCarthy or a team like Ohio State with C.J. Stroud. And Michigan State will play both of them later on in this season. So Mel Tucker's got a nice little team there, a nice little program there. He's not, at this point in time, as good as Ohio State, not even close. He might be as good as Michigan. I don't know. Michigan tends to kind of spit the bit when they play Michigan State sometimes. But I would give Michigan State about a 30% chance of beating Michigan. I would give them a 0% chance of beating Ohio State. They look like a mm, 9-win, 10-win team to me, but not a team that you really need to take seriously when Ohio State plays Michigan State later on in the season. You know what you do need to take seriously? The coffee from Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Awesome coffee. Order it online. Free shipping on orders of $30 or more, and you can get more for your money when you use the promo code we tackle life in all caps we tackle life in all caps the coffee is purchased direct from growers nicaragua thailand ethiopia indonesia those are just some of the countries that paul buys his coffee from directly the weather in those areas of course more conducive to growing coffee and the cover crop cocao which helps keep the coffee plant shaded so the beans develop at the right rate and temperature that cover crop, cocoa, is made into dark chocolate-like bars. I say chocolate-like because it's not technically chocolate, because chocolate is its own ingredient, but it's made from cocoa. But cocoa is kind of like cocoa, and so cocoa chocolate tastes like chocolate, but isn't chocolate. You know how it's not chocolate? It's sugar-free. It's non-GMO. It's gluten-free. It's every free you want, except free to you to purchase. You have to buy it, but it is delicious, and it's a great way, particularly if you're keto and you're uh, doing the uh, carnivore diet or something like that, and you're trying to lose weight, one little chunk of that cocal chocolate takes away your cravings for sweet, and it's really good and actually really good for you, too. So check it out. Use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps and get your Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee, chocolate, tea, whatever else you want. From their website, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Get it delivered right to your door. Free shipping on orders of $30 or more, and you get more when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE. Okay, Browns and Bengals. So I got to tell you how I found out the Browns lost that game. I was watching the game, and the Browns are up 24-17. to And they forced the Jets to punt with like two minutes. And I'm... I'm like, okay, this is over. I'm going to go take a bike ride. I want to get a little exercise Sunday afternoon. I've been laying around watching football. So I get my bike ready to go, head out into the country, 
beautiful day, about a 15, 20 mile bike ride. Come back, I'm all sweaty. I walk around, I, you know, calm down, go down to the basement, catch the Bengals, watching the Bengals. And in the middle of the Bengals game, Jim Nance and Tony Romo start talking about the Jets and the Jets' big comeback. And I'm like, what? Big comeback? Like, this isn't the Browns of a few years ago. What do you mean, big comeback? So I DVR'd the game, I go and watch it. Unreal. Like, unreal. How do you give up that long touchdown pass? And then how do you not, who in the NFL, when's the last time an NFL team didn't get an onside kick? I know, Sunday, Browns-Jets. Before that, I mean. But man, just crazy. And then they just let the Jets go right down the field. Ah, dink and dunk, eight yards, eight yards, eight yards. And get plenty of time if you let them run out of bounds. And then Garrett Wilson gets the game winner. I got nothing against Garrett Wilson, but in the middle of the game, he scored a touchdown. He's barking at the sidelines every time he catches the ball. And then he got injured a little bit. And I'm like, well, you know, young man, you're going to bark every time you catch a pass. That's how, that's how karma treats you. But boy, karma came back. <laughs> he, got, he got revenge on karma. Catching that slant. That was a nice throw from Joe Flacco. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, the Browns just gave that one away. And of course, the first time a team has lost a 13-point lead with that little time left in the game since 2001. And of course, it was the Browns who did it. And that was against the Bears. And I remember that game. It ended on an interception return in overtime. I think Tim Couch was a quarterback then. That game against the Bears was played at Illinois Memorial Stadium where Red Grange played his college ball because Soldier Field was under construction then. That's how long that's been. 2001. Crazy. So, Browns did what the Browns used to do routinely, which is find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So, I get over that and I'm watching the Bengals and the Bengals are just... They're a mess. Their offensive line. How discouraging must it be for Joe Burrow to have heard and hoped that this offensive line would be so much better than last year's? And it just isn't. It just isn't. Like, I don't think the Steelers and the Cowboys are such great defensive teams that this is an issue that's going to go away when the Bengals play other teams. Might go away this week when they play the Jets. But... The Ravens are going to put pressure on you. The Browns are going to put pressure on you. If you can't protect your passer in this division, you got a long, long year ahead of you. Bengals have to figure that out. Now, I will say this. Joe Burrow does not look like Joe Burrow looked last year. Joe Burrow looks rusty. And I'm not surprised he looks rusty because they didn't play him in the preseason. And I know it's 6-1, of one, half a dozen of the other. Can't play him in the preseason. Bruce, he might get hurt. He gets hurt. Season's over. Yes, true. But you're going to have to put up with these growing pains where he's holding the ball. He's not really seeing it, I don't think, as quickly as I feel he has seen it in the past. So that's an issue for the Bengals. They have to run the ball better. That'll take pressure off the passing game. I think they they have to use the tight ends better. They don't seem to me like they really use their tight ends a ton. And... Tyler Boyd doesn't make the contributions that I would think a guy with Tyler Boyd's ability would make. So they got a lot of things to figure out. Their defense, I thought, did a pretty nice job other than they let Noah Brown have a career day for too long, the former Ohio State Buckeye, who obviously practices with backup quarterback Cooper Rush in 
scout team situations for the Cowboys, and they had a nice little rhythm going there for a while. But the Bengals are 0-2, and uh, there are all kinds of numbers out there that will show you when you start 0-2, your chances of making the playoffs are demonstrably lower than when you start 1-1 and or certainly 2-0. and And if you go 0-3, and you got virtually no shot at making the playoffs. It's super, super unusual for a team to make the playoffs after starting 0-3. Uh, other things I noticed yesterday, uh, 49ers turns out they're lucky they didn't trade Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't understand what the hurry is to play Trey Lance, by the way. But Trey Lance now has broken his ankle, so he's out for the year. So Jimmy G will get a chance to go back in there and pile up some incentives. Although his head coach, Kyle Shanahan's calling the plays and he may not let him. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan may self-sabotage there because he's enamored with Trey Lance and he may not want to pay out huge quarterback money to Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I don't know. That's a bit of a long shot. It's a conspiracy uh, viewpoint for sure. One quarterback who's got it all going on is Tua. Wow, was Tua good yesterday on the road in Baltimore throwing five touchdown passes. Two Dolphins quarterbacks have done that in the past. Bob Greasy, Super Bowls, and Dan Marino, Super Bowl, but not a win. Is Tua a Super Bowl quarterback? Hmm. You can do a lot with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell out there. They got talent at the wide receiver position and speed at the wide receiver position. I thought Tua made that game-winning throw to Jalen Waddell just a skosh late, but he got away with it, and the Dolphins come all the way back and beat the Ravens in a game. I think they were trailing by 21 points. I think they were trailing by 21 points on the road against the Ravens, and I think they came back and won that game. So good for Tua, good for the Dolphins, and anything that's bad for the Ravens is good for me. The other game that was bananas was the Arizona Cardinals, Las Vegas Raiders. That one came on at the end of the Bengals game. So I had the Bengals DVR'd, so I got the Cardinals and Raiders ending on my DVR. Cardinals get a touchdown scramble from Kyler Murray on the final play. Then they need a two-point conversion to tie it and send it to overtime, which they get when Kyler Murray throws a pass that there's no way he could have seen this window. A.J. Green dives and catches it. Did he catch it? Did he not catch it? The ruling on the field stands. So now we go to overtime. Cardinals look like they're moving. They screw it up, have to punt. Raiders are moving. They're in field goal range on the end. They're trying to get closer. They survive a fumble by Cooper. Cooper? No. Connor Renfro, the former possession receiver from Clemson, who caught the game-winning touchdown pass in the year that Deshaun Watson and Clemson beat Alabama in the title game with like seconds to go. The year after uh, Watson and Clemson beat Ohio State in the semis, in the Jeff Okuda, uh, uh, Justin, I can't remember the wide receiver's name, Justin Ross game. So now the Raiders are ready to kick a field goal. They throw another pass to Connor Renfro to get closer and his former college teammate, Isaiah Simmons, number 11 that night in the desert when Clemson beat Ohio State, he had an interception that night of Justin Fields. Isaiah Simmons lowers the boom on Connor Renfro, causes a fumble, ball squirts out, looks like the Cardinals are going to recover it. It squirts away from the Cardinal. Laying on the sidelines, another Cardinal DB comes up, picks it up, runs it all the way back for a touchdown. And then he nearly celebrates too early 
throwing the ball away just as he crossed the goal line. I mean, just as he crossed the goal line. So a walk-off win for the Cardinals and a tough one for the Las Vegas Raiders, who also had a big lead in that game, just like the Ravens did against the Miami Dolphins. So great NFL games yesterday, but not for at least for finishes. But not if you're a Browns fan and not if you're a Bengals fan. Bengals losing on a 50-plus yard field goal on the final play. All right, before we get to the faith portion of the podcast, I want to remind you guys that my attorney firm of choice is Willis Spangler Starlin, great firm located in Hilliard on Truman Boulevard near the Mill Run area. They can handle any legal situation that you have personal injury, wills, estate planning, social security, disability, employment law, any of the big categories, they've got you covered there. Core values are to serve you. Big time service oriented firm. They do a great job across the entire legal spectrum. Check them out on the web at willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. When you get an attorney, you know, I don't know, everybody has their own personal taste. I don't want somebody in a stuffy coat and tie who makes me feel uncomfortable because they're so smart and I know nothing about the law. I want a down-to-earth person that I can sit across from, have a real conversation, and have them give me wise counsel and help me understand what's the best option for me to proceed, whether I'm pressing a legal matter or whether one is being pressed against me. Willis Spangler Starling will do a great job for you. They've done a great job for me numerous times. They're Available to you by clicking on willisattorneys.com, W-I-L-L-I-S, attorneys, A-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y-S, willisattorneys.com. All right, in the faith portion of the podcast today, I wanted to talk about peace. Peace that I see in a friend who is right now battling a disease that has a diagnosis as dire as any you could ever have. Despite that, despite the physical challenges, despite the medical treatment challenges, despite all the things that have reordered every aspect of his life and introduced an urgency to his life in every key area, relationally and every other ways, all I see radiating from this person is peace. He has um, been so extra kind to confide in me about his mindset, and I have greatly benefited from hearing that come from his mouth amid what is clearly a decline in his physical health and the robust nature of his health. And we were talking about this the other day and how he can be as, uh, I don't even know if this is the right word, sanguine, basically it means at peace with his situation. And don't get me wrong, he has not given up. He uh, wants to live. He is not fatalistic about this, but he is realistic about it. And the word that I would use that describes him is he is totally trusting. Trusting is where he is. And so I have shared the power of his story with some friends of mine, uh, some of whom are going through the same kind of uh, illness now, some of whom have in the past, or some of whom who have had family members do so in the past. And one friend of mine in particular talked to me about how much they were touched by this other friend, 
and offered, you know, some resources that my friend could use to um, find encouragement amid his declining health. And so I was wanting to pass them along to him, but I'm also aware that I'm sure when you have something that's been diagnosed as dire as he is, is, everybody has a cure. Everybody knows a guy. Everybody thinks you should do this. Everybody has a treatment protocol. And I don't want to insult my friend by suggesting something to him that would convey that I don't believe he's on top of the situation or that he's not doing all that he should do or could do because I'm sure that he is. And so we were having this conversation about his approach and he said that he gets a lot of people who want him to do this or do that or try this or try that. And he said, you know, I'm proceeding down a road that I came to believe is a road I should progress down in consultation with my spouse and my family. And that's what I feel like I need to do right now. And some people look at me like, well, you're not doing enough. You're not battling hard enough. You're not trying everything you should try. And he asked me if I felt like that was applicable to his situation. And I said, honestly, I don't. I don't think so because of what I see in him. And what I see in him is he has peace with the outcome of this process. He's not giving in. He's not hoping to die. He's not waiting to die. But he is living amid circumstances that could, and I think would, depress a lot of people and leave them asking, why me? And crying out, this is unfair. And he's never done that one time. Never done that one time. And I know everybody says that, but I'm telling you, he hasn't. And that's powerful. But the way that he has this, it's not matter of fact, he still nonetheless has an acceptance that God is in control. That's what he's accepted. He hasn't accepted he's going to die. He hasn't dreamt up a scenario where he's going to be healed. He hasn't envisioned this is exactly how it's going to go. He has instead said to me, God is in control of this process. And I'm trying to do, and that that doesn't mean I'm not going to do anything. It just means that I'm going to do what I feel like he leads me to do. And he asked me if I thought he was not doing enough because some of his friends have said that. And I said, no, I think that you are living a powerful witness right now to many people who don't know you never met you and never will. Because I've shared with friends, I'm sharing with you guys, what this uh, gentleman is going through and how he's handling it. It's not, it's really more important how he's handling it than what he's going through. Because I have things, you have things, everybody has things. We all have a thing, right? We all have something going on. While it's not as serious comparatively as what my friend has, because it looks like this is a very dire diagnosis, but whatever our thing is at the moment, it, it fluctuates in terms of how serious it is to us on the grand scale, but on that momentary scale, it's the biggest thing we've got going right now. It might be a child we're 
uh, not in harmony with. It might be a spouse we're not in harmony with. It might be a coworker we're not in harmony with. It might be a need we have. It might be a health issue. But whatever we have, at that moment, that thing dominates our thoughts. And I thought that was an interesting perspective, my friend, to say, he goes, you got a thing, I got a thing. My thing might be comparatively more serious than yours, but in your own environment, your thing is serious to you. I thought that was a remarkably selfless recognition and a recognition that the way we have to handle those things is by putting our trust that God is in control of that process and that we can access his peace through faith that we are loved. He has proven his love to us by sending his son to die for us on the cross. And you say, well, if, if your friend dies, like how's that show God loves him? I can't begin to grab the complexity of that particular question and answer because I don't know. Sure, I can tell you in earthly terms, like it's not good that his uh, marriage will be, um, you know, interrupted. It's not good that his uh, children will not have him in their life anymore. But is that really true? Is that really true they won't have him in his life anymore? I don't have my dad anymore. I haven't had my dad for five years. I think about my dad more now that he's gone than I do when he was around. So do I not have my dad with me? I think I have my dad with me in a lot of ways on a more regular, routine, impactful basis than I did when he was available to me on the phone anytime I wanted to talk to him. And so I know we're talking about different grades and degrees of access to people, but I'm just so powerfully impacted by my friend, and I hope you are able to glean from his peace, a peace for your life, that our steps are ordered by our creator. Anything that happens to us, either he ordained it or he allowed it. And if he allowed it, you say, well, I couldn't have possibly allowed this. No, no, he allowed it. He's in control. Satan is given permission to put things into our life, do things to us. God may allow it, and it may be super evil, but God may allow it because he has the capacity to bring something great from it. And I believe that more now than I ever did before because I see God bringing something great from my friend's health circumstances right now. So with that, I hope you are... uh, encouraged. I hope you are um, emboldened, and I hope you will tune in again for the next edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Whenever it comes, hopefully later on in the week, uh, send me an email, Bruce. No, not no. that's it. We tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com. That's the email. Review me on iTunes. Have a great week. Talk to you again soon.